Well, can I add my welcome to Richards? My name is Chris, and I'm the pastor of Beach Hill Church. Just for a few moments, I'm going to help us think a bit more about uh, Christmas, and then we've got another couple of carols to sing uh, at the end. But I wonder what you think about when you think of Christmas. Perhaps you think of, of Christmas presents. Uh, that's the first thing that pops into your mind. I know with my kids, that's often one of the things they're thinking about. Or oh, Christmas dinner. I don't know why you can't have that every day of the year. That would be amazing. Well, you get very large very quick, wouldn't you? But uh, Christmas dinner, or Christmas trees all decorated, or snow going sledging down the shedding, uh, trying not to hit the bottom. And, uh, you know, perhaps it's chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Well, in my family, uh, we preferred monkey nuts uh, to chestnuts. And our gas fire was condemned in 1987. We had all the traditional stuff, but the big thing for us was Christmas telly. That was the big thing in our family. We were a family who could take on all comers, the telly addicts, uh, and win. And Christmas was one of our favourite times of the year, because you had all of the Christmas specials. Uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas, my dad would buy a Radio Times, the only time in the year we'd buy it. And uh, me, my mum and my sister would have to circle... Uh, different coloured pens uh, to, to tell what we'd like to watch. And if there were any clashes, well, there was no catch-up then. You'd have to tape it on VHS uh, and watch it later. Three-way clashes, well, then just someone would have to lose out. But the ones we all agreed on were the Christmas specials. You know, Only Fools and Horses special, Del Boy and Rodney finally becoming millionaires, Vicar of Dibley Christmas special. How many Christmas dinners did she by the end of that? She probably, you know, yeah, no, let's not go there. Um, but uh, repeats of more from wise Christmas specials, you know, playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right. That's not about you, Judith, don't worry. Um, but I want to say, that this brief time that we have this evening, that Christmas specials are good, but there's an even better Christmas special, and its plot is found in the pages of the Bible. And we're going to look at those last two readings that were brought to us from Luke and see that the story there is even better. Our first point is the royal family in verses 26 and 27. Okay, the TV series is over now, uh, but Christmas special, it's still on on Christmas Day on BBC Two this year, so it's still topical. I'm I'm sticking with that. Um, But the royal family in our passage is a bit different though. Uh, a bit of a cross between sort of this one and the, the real one. It's a bit sort of strange, isn't it? We're told about Joseph, who's real royalty, who's a descendant of the greatest king that the country had ever known, David, uh, of David and Goliath fame. And that means that he's in the royal family, so to speak. Even though the nation were under a different regime, the Romans, uh, he was still a descendant of that king from that golden era. It would be like meeting somebody who was directly descended from Henry VIII or Queen Victoria. It would be that kind of thing. Royal blood runs in his veins. And King David, uh, we was told that one of his sons would come and be called the Son of God and would reign forever. So this promise had been passed down and down and down. And now we're meeting uh, someone who's in the line of that promise. We're also told in those verses that the couple are living in Nazareth. In the city of Nazareth. Now, city would be pushing it. It was known as a dive uh, across the area. Uh, it was up north, way away from the capital in the south. I'm trying to think of a sort of equivalent without trying to offend anyone, but maybe somewhere like Preston, uh, that would be the sort of modern day equivalent. It wasn't what you think of as a kingly town. That's the sort of idea. You know, if you were told this foretold king would come from Preston, uh, it would just sound a little bit strange. But that is where they're living at the time, uh, we're told. We're introduced in those verses to Mary too, a virgin. 
Now that can mean a young woman of marriable age, but it's clear from what follows that it's not the normal connotations with that word. We've got kids here, so we're going to leave it at that. But she was engaged to Joseph. And engagement in those days was much more serious than in our culture. It was more official. It's like they'd sort of had the ceremony and they were waiting for the honeymoon. You'd need a divorce to break that off. And Mary here in these verses receives a message. The message is of a rather spectacular nature from an angel. I imagine any message from an angel would be pretty spectacular. But this one is especially significant for a young mother. And the message is this. Second point. Call the midwife. Still going. Call the midwife. That's what she's told. She's told that she's going to have a baby. She's told that uh, she's going to conceive. And in your womb you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Mary was going to have a baby. Now every baby is special, aren't they? Uh, We had our first baby boy, who's a little bit older now. Um, just before uh, Christmas, uh, nearly 11 years ago. Now we think he's very special, he's here this evening so I'm not going to embarrass him, uh, but we think he's very special. But he's not as special as this baby that's born here. This baby is special because their birth was announced by an angel. Now my son's birth, we announced it on Facebook. Uh, that's how recent it is. Um, we found out from a pregnancy test that we were pregnant. They found out from a heavenly messenger from on high. And it was to be a virgin birth. That's there in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She can't uh, have been with Joseph. They were just engaged. There were very clear limits about what they could and couldn't do. And Mary knows that what it takes to make a baby, and she knows that she hasn't done it. So this is unique. This child had no human father. We have all sorts of things going on with, with babies, but we don't have one parent babies. And the baby's not a clone of Mary because the baby is a boy. And if this is all that had happened, if this was the only thing in this child's life, then you might suspect that this was made up, might you? Oh yeah, Mary. Joseph uh, thinks the same was told in a, a gospel. Sounds very convenient, doesn't it? But other things were happening at the time. Mary's cousin, we're told, has fallen pregnant despite being elderly and not able to have children. Her cousin's husband has been struck mute after an angelic visitation. On top of this, think about what happened to Jesus after all of this. If this child had just turned out to be Joe Bloggs, then sure, you might want to write this off. But this child would turn out to be the most famous child in history. The most famous man in the world. Throughout his life, people reported various other miracles happening. And what happens throughout the rest of his life makes it entirely consistent with the other things that are claimed for his life. I mean, think about it. We're here talking about him 2,000 years later. In fact, every year, literally billions of people around the world celebrate his birth at Christmas time. Billions around the world claim to have him as their personal saviour. Were it not for all that, we might just dismiss this as a story. But bearing this in mind, it leaves us with a massive question. Not quite. Doctor, who is this child? Now, I know that's a bit of a stretch, a bit of a bad joke, but Luke, who wrote this gospel, is actually a doctor. So I hold that 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 works. Doctor, comma, who is this child? That's what we're asking, isn't it? It technically makes sense. That's the best kind of joke in my mind. Um, But we're told here that his name would be Jesus. 
Jesus was named before he was born, and his name has a special meaning. Jesus means God saves. We're told now here that he would be a saviour, a rescuer. Great and high son of the Most High, but a rescuer. Now I think my sons are great, uh, but this is on a different level. This is sort of Alexander the Great, Alfred the Great, Catherine the Great. Son of the Most High. God is the Most High. God will be his father. God's spirit will conceive this child. How exactly that works, we don't know. But the child will be Mary's and will be God's. It would be like he's from another world, if you like. Not quite like Doctor Who, who's Gallifreyan. Yes, I am that geeky to know that. But Jesus will be human, but he will be God too. A God-man, the son of God. And this was a title for kings, sons of God. But our passage makes it clear that this was not just figurative for Jesus. It was literal. He will be king like David. He will rule forever. Humanly speaking, he would be descended from David both by adoption and by Mary's ancestry too. But there's also the fact that he will be the son of God. He won't just be part of the royal family because he's part of David's family, but it's because he's part of God's family. He will be a royal, like God is royal, the king. He'll be greater than David because his kingdom will know no end. That means he's going to rule forever. His kingdom will have no end in time or in scope. He will literally be what Leonardo DiCaprio wished he could be, king of the world. And it says here the house of Jacob, but as Luke's gospel goes on, it's clear that Jesus is not just king of one people. He is king of everyone. But as we'll go on, we'll see that not everyone wants Jesus as their king. King Herod, for example, he doesn't want Jesus as king. He wants to be king. The religious rulers don't want Jesus to be king. They're quite happy being in control and telling people what to do. The Romans don't want Jesus as king, and in the end, spoiler alert, they crucify him. Now we might not go to their extremes, but do we want Jesus as king? Or would we rather be king or queen ourselves, with our own little kingdom, where we're the boss? Let me explain what I mean. I said in our house TV was a big thing. Well, we only have one remote control. And I've already explained the VHS situation. So whoever had the remote control was of vital importance in our family. Who held the remote control was really the boss, the one in charge. And all of us wanted it. Mum to watch Victoria Wood. Dad to watch the horse racing. Yes, we did. My sister to watch Doctor Who. And me to watch Top of the Pops. I don't know if that gives you some sort of insight into our family. But but in the end, only one of us could have the remote control. There was only one of us who could be in charge. And my question to leave you with this evening is, who's in charge of your life? Who holds the remote control? Who really calls the shots? Everyone says that we should call the shots ourselves, be masters of our own destiny. But look at the mess that we make with our world. Everyone vying to be king, vying for control. It leads to conflict and strife. It certainly did in our house with the remote control. But we mess up God's world, we fight, we bicker. We stay and do hurtful things. If you don't believe me, unfortunately, watch what happens over Christmas time. You know, you stuff the turkey. No, you stuff the turkey. I'll roast you on an open fire. I'm not the one. That's not the one I wanted. When are you going home? Don't don't say that to your relatives. That won't won't go down well. (laughs) But we're victims of it, aren't we? But we're also perpetrators, if we're being honest. Like presents at Christmas, we take, but we also give. 
Now this child, we're told, has come to bring peace and forgiveness and hope. He's come as a lifeline, a rescuer. This child will be called Jesus. His name means God rescues, God saves, God steps in and sorts it out. And he won't be a king in an ivory tower. He's going to come right into the mess. He comes as a man to serve and lay down his life, not to a palace and to be served by others, but down into a stable to serve us and to give his life on the cross. But I'm straying into Easter now. But that's who the Bible again and again claims that this child is, the rescuer king, to bring peace with God and a forgiveness that this world so badly needs and that we as individuals so badly need. The claims made about this child are so incredible. Aren't they worth looking into rather than dismissing out of hand? Don't you think this is big enough that it's worth a bit of time looking into? Most people that I've met think they should look at this at some point in their life. Why not this year? Richard, in a few minutes, is going to suggest you a few ways that you could look into this uh, in the next few weeks. But for now, let's remember what we've seen. A royal baby, a miracle birth, and a forever ruler who came to bring light into the darkness, who really makes Christmas special. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Christmas time. Thank you for all the joys that we were talking about at the beginning, Father, Christmas trees and snow and fun and time together. Father, thank you for all those wonderful things. But thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus, that his coming is what makes us celebrate. And Father, pray that as we've got all these busyness uh, on this Christmas, all these different things to do, Father, help us to take some time to think about him. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.